Welcome to this week's podcast from Oceans Church in Orange County. We hope you're encouraged by this week's message. For more information, please visit our website at theoceanschurch.com. We've been in a series called The Rise. Say it with me at home, The Rise. The Rise. And we've been talking about things that we believe in a time that feels like everything's kind of been on the down. There's certain things that God is doing under the surface that are getting ready to rise. You know, the farmer sows his seeds in a dry, in a dirt, dirt lot. And it's in hope that one day, with conditions that are outside of his control, there would be something that would come out of the ground. And I believe that right now we might be looking at a dry, dirt lot. But I'm telling you, there's some great things that God is doing under the surface that are getting ready to rise up. And today's no exception. And I want to talk to you, uh, we talked last week about the rise of vision. We talked about the rise of wind and different ideas that God was giving us. And today, if you're taking notes, my big idea this morning, uh, my thesis or my main thought would be, uh, I want to talk to you today about the rise of focus. The rise of focus. I'm, I'm not a brilliant guy. I'm not the smartest man. I'm not the sharpest knife in the, in the drawer or the most colorful crayon in the box. Uh, I'm not even the best looking. I'm close. Can I get an amen? Sorry. I, just, I'm, I'm, I don't know where I'm saying that all the time, but I'm trying to build my own self-esteem up apparently. But no, I want you to know, uh, I do know this about God. Even though I don't have all the qualifications of some, I know that he's still speaking to his people today. And I really felt the heart of God uh, wanting me to communicate to all of you that would be watching that there's something powerful in adverse, in trying, in difficult times of life to stay focused on the right things. We live in an era that there's billboards everywhere. There's lighted LED, you know, huge. I was driving through Los Angeles this week, and there was a huge, just everywhere you look, LED uh, billboards that are advertising. You have everything on your phone. You have ads that are on Instagram and on Netflix and uh, all these, you know, platforms. And we're bombarded with news and information and knowledge, and everything's pulling for our attention. And I really felt like the Lord just put on my heart to share with you that there's a couple things, thankfully, there's not a huge list, just a couple things that we can do in the eye of any storm to stay focused. And I want to share that with you today. Uh, if you have your Bible, I'm going to turn to Acts chapter 16. I'm going to read uh, about 10 or, 10 or 11 verses this morning. Uh, and after I read those verses, I'm going to pray. After I pray, I'm going to share some stories. And uh, everything I'm going to share today is connected to Acts chapter 16. So if you want to pause uh, this video, if you're watching our podcast, and read Acts 16, you're welcome to do that. And again, I appreciate those that are sharing. Go ahead and share it right now as we get into the message today. I'm going to talk to you about the rise of focus. Acts chapter 16, let's read verse 9, talking about Paul and a gentleman by the name of Silas. They are uh, in Acts chapter 9, uh, excuse me, 16 verse 9. It states this that uh, they were passing through this particular city that came down to Troas in verse 9, and in a vision appeared to Paul in the night a man. It was a man from Macedonia that stood up and actually pleaded with him in the vision to come to his place in Macedonia and to help them. So the story goes, even though they weren't in Philippi, they weren't in Macedonia yet, because of this vivid vision from God, they would actually travel to this place of Macedonia, they would actually land there, and it says this in verse 9 that, uh, excuse me, after this, in verse 16, they would show up. They actually met a businesswoman by the name of Lydia 
Lydia not only came to faith in Jesus, but her whole family did. She was a wealthy woman who actually was a merchant of purple. And listen to me, whenever you own a color, you're doing pretty good financially. So she is a very affluent woman in, in the city of Macedonia. Uh, this Philippi was named after King Philip, Alexander the Great's father. And what we find here is they get there, they have this awesome result that this woman, her family comes to faith. They start going to a prayer meeting because this city was so uh, non-spiritually minded about God that there was no synagogue. There was only a place to go to prayer. So Paul and Silas are going to prayer. And in verse, uh, verse 16, it says, Now it happened as they were on their way to go to prayer that a certain slave girl. So they go from reaching the most affluent person in the city to the most impoverished person of the city. That's what the, that's what the good news does. Is It doesn't just reach the top. It doesn't just reach the bottom. It reaches everyone in between. And I see here that as they encounter this possessed little girl, she had a spirit of divination. She was a little fortune teller who brought her masters much profit by fortune telling. The next several verses go on to tell us that every day she starts talking about who Paul and Silas are. And Paul takes authority over the demonic spirit that was inside of this little girl. And it says that when the, when the spirit came out of her, she's now in her right mind, no longer under the bondage of this darkness. And this is what it says. When her masters saw that their, their hopes for profit were gone, they actually raised a, a rally. They got the whole city to turn against Paul and Silas. They actually would beat these two men. They would actually not only beat them, they would actually lash them. And after they put many stripes on their body, they threw them in to an inner prison where they were laid in stocks, not only for their feet, likely their hands and their head as well. And this is what I've learned is society wants to use people for profit, but the kingdom of God actually uses profit to reach people. And we see here that when they do the right thing, they're in the right place and they experience this hostility. They got beaten. They got in prison. And that's where we pick up reading in verse 25. It says this for the next few verses. But at midnight, after this happening, Paul and Silas were praying and singing uh, Bethel uh, Hills. No, no, it was just hymns to God. And the prisoners were listening to them. And the prisoners, notice it's the same sentence that says they were praying and they were, were singing. There was also people watching them. Prisoners were watching, listening to them. Suddenly there was a great earthquake. The foundations of the prison were shaken and immediately all the doors, not some, but all were open and everyone's, not some, but everyone's chains were loosened. And the keeper of the prison awakening from the sleep, seeing the prison doors open, supposing everyone had left, drew his sword and was about to kill himself. Roman officers would know this, that if you're, if you're guarding a prisoner, if, they were, if they, they were gone, it would be your life for their life. So this man was getting ready to take his own life. And in verse, we'll go on to the next verse there, gentlemen. And it says this, Paul cried out with a loud voice, saying to them, do yourself no harm. We're all here. Then he called for a light, ran into them, trembling before them, said to Paul and Silas, uh, sirs, what must I do to be saved? What do I got to do to believe in your, to know your God? And I love the response. They said to him, believe, believe. I love it. So simple. Believe on the Lord Jesus Christ, you, and you will be saved, you, and also everyone in your household. Then they spoke the word of the Lord to him and to all who were in his house. And he took them that same hour of the night, washed their wounds, their stripes, and immediately him and all of his family were baptized immediately. 
Now, when they had brought them into the house, he set food before them. Uh, the Greek actually says uh, Chick-fil-A because it wasn't Sunday. I'm kidding. And uh, they ate, they rejoiced, and they believed in God. He did with all of his household. I want to talk to you today about the power of the rise of focus. I pray right now for the next several moments that, Lord, whether we love you with all of our hearts or maybe we're watching today because we're curious, I ask you to meet us today, that you would love us today. Show us how good you are and how great your plans and your future is for our lives. I pray, Lord, that you would knock on the door of all of our hearts. Lord, grow us in the things of God. We want to know you more deeply. We thank you that you bless the Lakers and that you lead us out of this this, this season that we've been in. In Jesus' name. And everybody said a good old-fashioned. Amen, 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 amen. Thank you so much, everybody, uh, for tuning in this morning. Uh, Again, I was thinking this week as I was kind of praying, and I don't know about you, I'm not the... Uh, again, I'm not the sharpest uh, individual in the world. Uh, I'm kind of a bottom line. I love a good one-liner. I used to love Twitter. Uh, I haven't been on there very much lately, but I used to love Twitter because you get this philosophical Ivy League wisdom in about 133 characters. And uh, I love good one-liners. I like getting everything boiled down to the simplest forms. And uh, like, for instance, when I got married, I remember some of the greatest marriage advice. He's like, if you remember this one thing, This gentleman said to me, remember these seven words that could save your marriage. He said, I was wrong. Will you forgive me? I'm like, that is gold right there. Another one told me before I got married, I was asking for marriage advice uh, when we were uh, the week of our wedding. And one guy told me, he said, never go to sleep angry. I thought, man, that's great advice. I actually haven't slept in three months because of it. I'm kidding. That's a joke. I think the most important question you should probably ask your future husband or wife This actually could affect your entire life. You might be cold the rest of your life if you don't ask this question. What temperature do you like the air around you? Many people, they have a life of being frozen because their spouse uh, either likes it cold enough to snow or hot enough to create lava. And so I was thinking this week, you know, many times I just like to get one or two simple ideas to kind of navigate the whole of my life. And I've been getting into mountain bike riding lately. My friend Vache has got me into mountain bike riding and... I went out with him about a year ago, and he, he tried to kind of get me hooked on this expensive uh, habit, and so I went out with him, and I was like, uh, I don't know much about mountain bike riding, I'm, not, I'm no professional. I was riding with my friend Joe, and me and Joe were kind of brand new to this scene of mountain bike riding, and we, we kind of get to the top of this huge mountain in Newport Coast, and, and one of the guys looked at us, and he probably saw the fear and trepidation in our eyes, and he said, uh, do you guys, you, you guys comfortable going downhill? Do you know some of the secrets of going downhill? And my friend Joe, in his wealth of knowledge, he looked at him and he said, we do, but talk to us, pretend we don't. And uh, I remember this guy just, he gave us three little simple pointers. He said, I want you to remember just a couple things. He said, number one, keep your, keep your rear end over the back tire. He said, I want you to keep your handlebars, keep your elbows like as wide open as you can over the handlebars. And he said this, hold the bars tight enough to hold on to an egg, but not so tight that you would break the egg. And I thought, my goodness, that's sound advice. And so I ended up riding down this hill, uh, praying, uh, praying in every known language and unknown language that I had in my arsenal. And to the glory of God, I stayed alive. Because I remembered a couple simple things Rear end over the back of the bike, come on, handlebars like this, and hold the bars is tight enough to hold an egg, uh, but not tight enough to crack it. And I was thinking about just simple focus that when you can stay in a precision state,
when there's a lot of things happening, when you're going through maybe a challenge or a trial or a difficulty, many times it's hard to remember to do everything. Have you ever been there before that your room is so messy, you're just like, I'm not cleaning anything. Maybe you've been there before. You have so much to do that you're like, the only excusable thing to do right now is to take a nap. And I don't know if you've been there before, but you have so much to do that you can't focus on anything. And I really felt as I was praying this week that God wanted me to encourage his people that there's something powerful about remembering just a couple of things to do when you're going through maybe an adverse time. Maybe you're in the eye of a storm. I want to encourage you today. The story's powerful because it's written by the Apostle Paul. And uh, we know actually it was written by Luke about the Apostle Paul. And it's a, it's a, it's a really amazing story because it's about a city uh, that was never awakened spiritually that we see this is the very beginning of Christianity in Philippi. And we see here that they have a dream. We read it in verse 6 of chapter 16. Paul is led by God. I want you to catch this right now. Sometimes we think if we're following God that negative things will never happen. Oftentimes that is a common myth in Christianity is that if you, if you swallow the blue pill that you'll see how deep the rabbit hole goes and you'll have nothing but blue sky days. And the truth is even righteous people in the Bible went through adverse advantageous moments of life that all of the winds of adversity were blowing against them. So Job was a righteous man, and he had all hell break out against him. So we know this, that doing the right thing doesn't always lead to to the right outcomes. But we find this, that they go where God tells them to go. They, They actually start doing what God told them to do. They actually share the good news. They go to a prayer meeting, and it's interesting that it was on the way to a prayer meeting that they're harassed by an evil spirit. And oftentimes, that's the story, that's the narrative of life. When you start pursuing God, you oftentimes experience more resistance than you ever did before you were awakened to God. You ever notice this? It's like, why in the world? I, was, I didn't care about faith my entire life, and life was smooth, and the moment I started reading my Bible, the moment I started going to a church, the moment I started tuning into online teachings, it was like all of a sudden there was like a resistance. They were harassed on the way to a prayer meeting. So they experienced some good results. This Lydia lady and her family get baptized, and they start going to this prayer meeting, and there's this little, uh, little, little fortune teller young lady who was possessed, the Bible says, with a spirit of divination. Now, some people, like, they, they, they don't believe in evil spirits, and they don't believe in demons and darkness, and I'm not in any way trying to uh, freak anybody out, but I want you to know that you are made up, you, you live in a body, you have a soul, but you, you are a spirit, and there is an unseen realm that, that we live in, and that's why it's amazing that you can be affected not only by what you see, but sometimes it's amazing that your physical body would be, would be transformed. You ever seen something that embarrassed you and your face turned a different color because of something that you saw? And it was amazing that something that was physical affected something in your soul that actually changed the conditions of your body. And we know that not only can you be moved by music and you can be moved by, by, uh, by an environment, by an atmosphere, there is an unseen realm that I'm not going to go too deep into tonight, but some things I do believe you can counsel out of people But there is some darkness the Bible talks about. You don't just counsel out of people. You have to take authority and cast that stuff out of people. And so tonight, uh, even today, excuse me, I believe that there's people watching that you've tried counseling and you've tried therapy, and I'm not against any of those. I think if if medicine can help you, take medicine. And if you can get, God God can heal sovereignly, 
and God can heal supernaturally. And he can heal through medicine, and he can heal through a moment. And so we find here this woman, this little girl, has a darkness in her, and it, this evil attacks Paul. It attacks Silas, and it says that Paul took authority over it. So he does, he's in the right place, going to the right area of prayer, and he starts getting attacked by darkness. He takes authority over it. And here's what I, I kind of want to bring our focus to. He does the right thing in the right place that God led him to be at, and he still experiences getting beaten. He experiences getting arrested. He experiences getting thrown into the inner prison, and he's now in the stocks. I, I, I read this, and I couldn't help to think, this guy in one chapter experiences higher highs and lower lows in one segment of his life than most believers in Jesus do in their entire lifetimes. This guy goes from taking authority over darkness and it leaving to him being arrested, assaulted, and persecuted at a level that most Americans and people in the Western world will never know. And when he's arrested, he's in this turmoil. Notice this. He doesn't start demanding a lawyer. He doesn't ask for his phone call. We pick up reading in verse 25, and it actually says this. In his lowest moment of adversity, the Apostle Paul, who had tons of options because he was a Roman citizen. Roman citizens could not be beaten like this. It was unlawful. And actually, truth be told, people could be killed for doing such a thing to a Roman citizen. So rather than Paul demanding what he, th what he could have demanded, it's interesting to me that his attitude and his posture, the very first thing we read after his lowest moment of, of adversity is his decision, his countenance, his mind, and his focus, his focus, his, his focus was two things. He goes, the world is watching, the prisoners are watching, everyone knows what happened to me, here's my chance to show the world what I believe in more than anything else. Number one, I believe in prayer. I believe the world, listen, it says in the same sentence, before the period, it says that Paul and Silas at midnight, here's what we know about God, even in the darkest moments of life, God's light can still shine. How about this? They're in prison, but guess what? Even in prison, you can be a free man when you experience who Jesus is. So he's in this turmoil, this inner bondage, and what we find is, he goes, there's two things I am going to focus on in the eye of the storm. Number one, Silas, we're going to pray. And number two, they begin to sing psalms, hymns. Again, we don't know what, what it was. I started asking God this week, God, what in the world would Paul and Silas pray? What in the world would they sing? And I want to land on a few thoughts here that you can write down and kind of think about this week. I believe the thing that we do in, in whether high moment or low moment of life is, number one, if we pray, there's really three aspects of this. I believe that all great moments with God are created or actually birthed out of, out of A, uh, thanksgiving. You know, Psalms 100 verse 4 in the message translation actually says, we enter into the, into the presence of God with the magic password, thank you. There's something about being grateful for not what you don't, but what you do have. I would wonder if maybe Paul and Silas looked at each other and said, God, thank you that we know, even though this was a difficult day, that you led us here. Hey, God, thank you that before this happened, that Lydia and her entire family came to believe in you. Thank you that we're making converts of, of Europe for the very first time. Thank you that God, even though this was a difficult day, that you're still good. There's something about being grateful in moments of difficulty that I believe connects you to God faster than anything else. 
Not only do they, we enter in with thanksgiving, we actually enter into prayer, not by just thanksgiving, we enter in by praying what's on your mind. Many times we jump straight to our genie wish list when we talk to God, and I want you to know, if you want to have a more in-depth, intimate, dynamic relationship with God, start off your moments with him by thanking him for what is working in your life. Thank you, God, that I might be bleeding, I might have some broken bones, but I'm still alive. Thank you that this sickness is not unto death. Thank you that I might have lost my job, but I didn't lose my faith. Thank you that, God, there's some difficult things going on, but, God, there are some good days ahead. We enter in with thanksgiving when we pray. Listen, prayer changes things. And we enter into prayer by thanksgiving. And then after we enter in, what we start to do is we begin to pray what's on our mind. You know, it says in Philippians chapter 4, verse 6, to be anxious about nothing... But in everything, by prayer and supplication, with what? Thanksgiving. Let your request be made known to God. And it says, in the peace of God that transcends your natural, logical understanding will guard your heart and your mind in Christ Jesus. The problem is we're so full of earthly things that we're we're oblivious to what God is wanting to do in the heavenly realms. I want to actually saturate my mind on God. Not only am I going to thank you, but how about this? I'm going to pray what you put on my mind. I believe many times we complain about things that God wants you to bring to him. There's actually a difference between gossip and great prayer. Is It depends on who you bring your problems to. You see, gossip brings a problem to someone that can't fix it. Prayer brings a concern, a demand, or a, a weight to the person that has the ability to actually solve that scenario. So we not, only, we, we not only thank him, we enter into prayer by praying our mind. And the third thing I'd encourage you to do when you're in his presence is when you get in the presence of the king of kings and the God of all creation, the third thing that we do is we go beyond what, just praying what's on our mind. We ask God what his desires are for, for us. You know, Luke, Luke 22 says it really powerfully. Paul, uh, Jesus is in the Garden of Gethsemane. And he goes, if there's any other way, you know, to get past this moment of my life, let it be. But he goes, nevertheless, not what I want, not my will, but your will be done. There's a moment of great times in the presence of prayer that I bet Paul and Silas were probably saying something like this, God, thank you that we had some great results in Europe so far. Thank you for what you're doing in Philippi. Thank you for Lydia. Thank you that that little girl, even though we got beat up today, she's going to live the rest of her life free from that darkness that that led her and drove her and i want you to know that after they thanked him i bet they started saying god thank you that you're in control of our future we know that you're going to get us out of this prison we know that you're going to continue to build your kingdom we know that god it's an honor to be able to suffer like our lord and savior jesus did and i guarantee after they prayed some prayers like that they probably said something like this god lord i pray that you would get us out of here but even if you don't god we want you to know that you're still awesome Your will be done, your kingdom come in this cell as it is in heaven. Everyone's watching. What happens next? They begin to sing. Now, I know some of you aren't singers. I myself am not a singer. I like to make a joyful noise, even if it doesn't sound very joyful. I want you to know that, again, I always say this, that we don't sing because all of us have good voices, but we can all sing because we all have a good God. And there's something about singing that accesses, listen, music was not invented by men for men. I want you to know that, ain't, that music is ancient. Music was not a gift for men, from men, to men. Music was actually created in the heavens before time and space, and it was actually made for God, by God, 
And I want you to know that God actually, he enlisted humanity to take on a role to fill a void that was lost when Lucifer fell from heaven like lightning. We know this, that Lucifer had, he had instruments built into him. And when the fall of the devil actually occurred, we know this, that God would raise up humanity. The, one of the reasons why the devil hates humanity is because God gave us the three instruments that Lucifer actually had that he lost in the fall. What do you mean? It says that there's only three types of instruments. There's, there's chord, there's string instruments, there's actually wind instruments, and there's percussion instruments. And we know this, that every human being built into all of us, we have three innate abilities. We have cords in our throat called vocal cords. We actually have wind instruments called our lungs. And everything that comes out of our mouth is because of the pneuma, the wind that's in our lungs. And finally, all of us have the ability to become percussionists by putting our hands together. And one of the reasons why hell, why, why so many people don't realize that, that the devil and the darkness that's in the world hates when we begin to honor and we begin to sing to God. Because it reminds the devil of what he lost in his disobedience to God. You see, humanity was tasked with the privilege. Music wasn't made for us. It wasn't made to be honoring to us. It was made by God, for God, and actually made for us to, to, to possess an attitude and a disposition that would use our lyrics, our song, our wind, our percussion to give the adoration that belongs to him alone. You see, we sing to God because three things, who he is. And here's the good news. When you're in a bad day, it doesn't change who he is. Bad circumstances don't change the character of who God is. So I want to encourage you, sometimes what means the most and what creates the most dynamic environment with Jesus is when you can actually get past what you're facing currently and focus more on who he is than, than just what you're currently going through. This is the power of Paul and Silas in Acts 16, is they could see past the jail cell, they could see past the chains, they could see past the wounds on their back, and say, God, even on a bad day, you're still worth singing to. You're still worthy. You see, they sing because of who he is, and B, they, we sing, we worship, we honor God with lyrics, and just even, again, no, no music in your car, you just start singing, again, not because you have a great voice, but you go, God, you're so good. Scholars say that he, they were probably singing in the cell, Spirit, lead me where my trust is without borders. Let me walk upon the wall. No, that was Sam singing that. But listen, we don't know what they sang, but we do know this, that worship is actually when we prescribe the honor of who he is, and we begin to declare not only who he is, but why he is worthy to be sung to. You created everything out of nothing. You didn't make us with your, you didn't make us by, by you know, creating a bakery and, and bake up human, humanity. You didn't bake the stars and the sky. You spoke everything into existence. You're an awesome God. And I believe that when we begin to prescribe to God worth and honor of who he is, and here's the last thing that we do. We can get excited. We can actually create an environment of, of worship when we not only remember who he is, not only remember why he's worthy, but how about this one? We sing from a place of remembering what he has done. Some of you, you're like, Mark, he's never done anything for me. But maybe the evidence of you being alive long enough to watch this video. You look back in your life, I should have overdosed. I should have, I should have died in that car accident. Man, I flipped four times. There's no logical reason why I survived. Let me give you one. How about God is good and God is merciful? 
How about the reason why you didn't overdose? Why maybe you didn't go through that divorce? Why you didn't follow through with that suicide attempt? Is because God is a God that's rich in mercy. And he knew that on this May Sunday that he would actually reach out with an outstretched arm and a mighty hand and show you that, guess what? There is a reason why you're sucking oxygen. God doesn't make mistakes. Well, my parents didn't want me. I was a surprise. You didn't surprise God. God wanted you. God knew you before you were in your mother's womb. And even if you didn't have a relationship with your biological mom and dad, guess what? You can still know your heavenly father. Many people don't realize that most of our our greatest moments with Jesus are found when we actually look back in the rearview mirror of what God has done to get us and to keep us where we are. That's what Paul and Silas probably did. They probably started recounting all the stories of what God did in the early church. Thank you for the times that you delivered us out of prisons. Thank you for that time you got Peter out of jail. Hey, God, if you get Peter out of prison, maybe you can help us out too. Many times, faith for tomorrow is rooted in looking back at what God has done yesterday. Anxiety, listen, anxiety is trying to face tomorrow's problems with today's grace. We can't face tomorrow's problems with today's grace. We have to focus on each day what God is doing here and now. God gives us fresh grace every day. His mercies are new every morning. I'm getting fired up. I better settle down. Listen to me today. I, I want to encourage you that we, we worship because uh, we remember what he has done. Now, let's get into the nitty-gritty nitty of this. It says, uh, you know, I, was, I wrote this down as a kind of a rhetorical question. Why in the world, some of you may be atheists are watching going, well, why would you pray and why would you maybe sing or why would you worship? Why wouldn't you, as a Roman citizen, demand your rights? Why wouldn't you begin to ask for a phone call or hire an attorney? Why why would you begin to pray and why would you begin to actually sing and worship God when you are in a desperately low place at a dark moment of your life? And I believe the answer is threefold. I want you to write them down today. These guys, Paul, the apostle, one of the greatest theologians that have ever lived, he knew two things that most Christians in the Western world fail to recognize or remember today that more powerful than anything else that we do, prayer, two things we're going to focus on, and worship have the power to, number one, shake the foundations of the place that you're locked in. We don't, look, you can try in your natural power to shake your own cell, but I'm telling you that when you begin to pray to God and you begin to thank him for who he is and you begin to acknowledge what's going on in your life and you begin to ask what he wants, not what you want only, and you begin to worship him because of not only who he is, not only why he's worthy, uh, because of things he's done in the past. Listen to me today. When you do these things, what happens is inevitably, I'm telling you, number one, it'll begin to shake the foundations of not just the things holding you back, but that rattling could actually break loose people in your family addictions that have been in your family generationally alcoholism drug abuse man uh, affairs and cheating and stealing and lying there is something that prayer and worship does that nothing else on the earth can do it has the power it says as they pray as they worship about midnight everyone was watching them and i want you to know that i believe in this window of time when when the whole world is facing the same storm the non-believing community of society is watching us to see, are they going to respond differently in the storm than all of us? Are they going to complain like we complain? Are they going uh, to be mean-spirited like everybody else is being spirited? Are they going to demand that everybody see the world the way that they see it? Or are they the type of people that even on an evil, ugly day, 
they still have the posture and the position of prayer. And they still have an attitude of singing and honoring God. How can you sing and pray when you're bleeding and you've experienced injustice? Here's the, here's the answer. Because they knew that prayer and worship can rattle loose the foundation of what you've been stuck in. I believe there is evil in the world. I believe there is some dark forces at work. I believe there is some book of revelations type of uh, narratives that are trying to be written right now in our, in our day and in our hour. I do believe that we have to invade politics. I do believe in the seven mountains of influence. I do believe in being a solution and a light in the dark place. But listen to me. Do you not for a moment forget that our greatest weapon, the Bible says that the weapons of our warfare, 2 Corinthians 10, 4, are not carnal, but they are mighty in God for pulling down strongholds. What is the weapons of our warfare? How about prayer? How about saying, God, look, I don't know the answers, but you do. Hey, God, I don't know who the Hamans are in our society, but you do. I don't know what gallows were meant to destroy my life, but you do. But I know this, there is a God that heard Esther's prayers. There is a God that heard the prayers of Esther's people. There is a God that in the, in the face of adversity, when Daniel was thrown into a pit for his secret weapon of prayer, we know this, that throughout history, I want you to catch this phrase, throughout history, we find that when people respond to godlessness in a godly way, it always has therein the ingredients for spiritual awakening. I'll say it again. When we are pushed and we are shoved and we are mocked and we experience injustice that is godless, godless, when we respond to that godlessness in a Christ-like godly way, there is something in the soil of our response that can actually create and birth and actually grow spiritual awakening, spiritual revival. When we respond like everybody else responds, there is no life. But when we actually rise up and we begin to pray and we begin to worship, what happens? What we know is this, is this jailer, he actually goes, what must I do to be saved? I want you to know that that earthquake was so synchronized with the prayer and with the worship that they were giving to God that it must have been at the very amen or the very last chorus that literally that place shook like, like nothing has ever shaken before. And the whole prison goes, the only logical explanation is that God heard these people's prayer. And this jailer, and again, I love it, because the gospel is not just for the down and out. It's not just for the Lydia's that are up and out. It's for the blue-collar workers like this Roman jailer who actually says, what must I do? I know by what you prayed and what you sang that God is real and only God could do what happened today. What must I do to be saved? Like Daniel's day. The king said, Daniel, we're all worshiping your God from now on. Like Nebuchadnezzar with Shadrach, Meshach, my bungalow, your bungalow, and a shack. He said this to those three guys. We are, come out of the fire. We're gonna, now we know that your God is the God that can deliver. Your God is the God that can save. Adversity is the believer's greatest window of opportunity to show the dark world the light of Jesus. I wish I could write that down. Stuff comes out sometimes I'm like that is definitely the Lord. Never thought about that before. I want you to know, friend, that this is a dark window of history that we can shine the brightest. How do we shine the brightest? We pray. Prayer is not, again, I say it again, our last res resort. It is our first decision. 
And as we pray, we begin to worship. I'm telling you, we get in your homes, your families. You turn on some worship music. You begin to pray. I'm telling you that, listen, our weapons are not weak. They are strong. We pray. We worship. It says that this enemy, because it says that not only does prayer and worship, I I believe they did it for three reasons. It, It shakes the foundations. It opens doors that you could never open. And doesn't just open your doors. Prayer and worship will open the doors of the people that are actually in bondage around you. Many people think that, man, when I pray and when I sing to God, it'll only affect me. Friend, do not be duped. Honoring God will always benefit everyone around you. Because listen, it says this. Paul says, what do I got to do to be, be saved? And Paul's response was, believe in Jesus. So simple. Aren't you grateful it doesn't say, go on a two-year missions trip. Pass out 70 Bibles. Attend church for 30 years. Get baptized six times. What does it say? Belief. Friend, I got good news for you today. You do not get yourself ready and come to God. You, you come to God and God begins to get you ready. You come to God with one thing and one thing alone. Belief. You believe in your heart that he's real and you confess with your mouth and God comes in and he meets you right where you are. Here's what's so cool. We pray. We worship. What happens? The foundation's shaken. Doors open up. Not just for us. It says his entire household believed. Some of you are watching today, and you have kids, parents, grandparents, aunts and uncles that have never known the goodness of Jesus for themselves. I'm telling you right now that secondhand Christianity is killing way more people than secondhand smoke. I believe that God doesn't want the whole world to have a relationship with God only through you. I believe that through your knowledge of God, your prayer to God, and through your worship of God, it'll actually give other people firsthand encounters. Come on. I'm telling you, you're watching. Don't live in your mom and dad's fire. Come on, build your own fire. Stop living in the smoke of your neighbors. Some of you are watching because your neighbor invited you. Stop living in their, their fire. Stop living in the smoke of their blaze. Come on, get your own fire for God. You're here today. You're watching today because God, listen, he wants to not only shake loose the foundation of what you've been locked in, he wants to open up doors. And the last thing he wants to do is he wants to release chains. I'm telling you that prayer and worship will actually liberate addictions, proclivities, darkness, uh, attacks, demonic things, dark things in your life. There is no greater remedy to the dark forces we face that we cannot see. I keep on hearing people say, we're fighting an invisible enemy. You're right, we are. But I want you to know that we've been fighting an invisible enemy since the very beginning. And our weapon is still the same as it was in the very beginning. We begin to bombard heaven. We begin to, come on, be to honor God with praise. And as we do, not only will it shake the foundation, it'll open up the doors, and it will release the chains. Here's what we know as we finish up today, is we know that if we respond godly like Jesus, it'll turn doubters into believers. If we'll respond godly to godlessness, It'll turn enemies into allies. This jailer was responsible for keeping him in bondage, but he was the very guy that actually fed him and bandaged his wounds. Because when we respond in adversity, in prayer, and in worship, it'll turn those that don't believe into those that do believe. And last thing that I see here is people encounter and people experience, and ultimately, people will accept Jesus as we respond in prayer And as we respond in praise, when we're going through defiant, we're going through dark times, distressing moments in history, come on, our greatest, it's not the only, but our greatest things that we can focus on, friends, is prayer and is praise. How do you know? Because the story goes, scholars tell us, 
that not only is Lydia the first convert in this new, this new part of the world, but we know this, that this jailer would actually become the first pastor of the, of the church in Philippi. And not only would this jailer become the pastor, but without this jailer's conversion, without that prison duration, without that earthquake, without being arrested, without being beaten, without being, uh, t- without being a, uh, a man of God taking authority over a dark girl's spirit, without going to Lydia, without going to Macedonia, without listening to the vision that was given in verse 6, we know that there's no jailer at the end of the chapter that gives their life to Jesus. And if there's no jailer friend that knows Jesus, there's no book of Philippi. There's no church to write to in Philippi. There's no, there's no Philippians 4.4, 4, 4, rejoice in the Lord always. And again, I say rejoice. Some of the greatest literature of encouragement was written to the Philippian people because of the hell that Paul and Silas went through with a good attitude. So you're watching this morning. What do you do in times of adversity? Good question. Let's keep it really simple for all the, for all the low, 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 low fruit. Uh, low, what is it? Low hanging fruit. There it is. I'm not good at reaching the high apples. I'm good at reaching the low ones. Keep the cookies on the low shelf. Here's what I know. Is that if we're facing difficult moments of life, it's the same as our greatest moments of life. There's something about prayer. Thanksgiving, praying your mind, and asking God for his will. And how about this? Beginning to praise and honor God because of who he is, because of, because of his worth, and because of what he's done. And as we do that, mark my words, church, that, that doors are going to be opened up. Things are going to get shaken that need to be shaken. And I do believe that God's going to give you ideas and solutions to get out of those chains. I want to pray for you this morning. God, I ask you right now in Jesus' name, for everyone that's watching, if you're watching on YouTube right now, Facebook, our website, you're watching and you know, really quick, two things. How about number one? You know that you're not living for God and with God. You feel like I've been talking to you pretty much this entire message. And I want you to know that God is speaking to you. If you want to today get right with God for the very first time, or maybe you've never known Jesus, I'll say it another way. Maybe you've known God before and you got off track and you want to get right with him. Or maybe you've never known, never believed in him. You've been watching this kind of intrigued and you feel a presence right now wherever you are that you've never felt before. Friend, I'm not that smart. This is not, I'm not that great of a a teacher or a preacher. I'm telling you, that's the presence of the Holy Spirit. And right now, he's knocking at the door of of your heart because he loves you and he cares about you. So right now, if you're watching this and for the first first time you want to ask God in, or maybe you grew up around Jesus, but you got hurt in a church, you saw something unjust or hypocritical and it wounded you, and today you go, you know what? People are flawed, but God isn't. I want to invite God back into my life that's you, I want you to do me a favor right now, whether it's YouTube, on the website, Facebook, I want you right now, just to write heart, H-E-A-R-T, or you can do the heart emoji. Why would I do this? Because the Bible says if you would acknowledge him in front of the public, that he will acknowledge you when we enter into heaven, he'll acknowledge you, he'll brag about you in front of his father in heaven. Listen, don't be scared of what people think about you right now. This is your moment. I'm asking you right now, come on, right now on Facebook, come on, right now on YouTube, on our website, there's people on all platforms this is your moment. If you want to give your life to God or rededicate your faith in him, just write heart, H-E-A-R-T, or the heart emoji. Thank you for those that are doing it. Lord, I pray everyone that needs to do it would do it right now in Jesus' name. And the last group I want to pray for as we close today is this. is you say, Mark, I want to be like Paul. I want to be like Silas. I know I could look at a million things. I know I could fill my mind with a hundred things. But how about two things I want to focus on this week? 
I want to focus on praying more, and I want to focus on praising him more, worshiping him more, singing to God. If that's you right now, would you say that's me? Just write me, M-E, me, 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 all platforms, write me, write us. <laughs> I want to pray for us as a community, Oceans, that we are going to be like our early fathers, that in adversity, in the eye of the storm, our greatest weapon, listen, our greatest weapon is entering into his presence, prayer, asking him to do something in our day. He'll give you ideas. Some of you are going to invade culture. Some of you are going to do things in your cities. Some of you, some of you are going to do things in the educational world, the business world, political world. You're going to do things. Solutions are coming. But listen, our, we're not running to those things. We're running to God. And from God's presence, he'll give us ideas. So I pray right now, as you say me or us, I ask you, Lord, for a new desire to pray, a new appetite for your word, and a new, a new hunger to honor you and to worship you for how awesome and how good you are. We love you so much. We thank you for lives that were touched today. And I pray last as we close, if you need healing in your body, I pray, Lord, whether it's cancer, whether it's diabetes, if there's some sort of uh, bleeding or something going on in your body physically, a, a disorder, I ask in Jesus' name, even if it's COVID-19, that, God, you would heal people sovereignly and supernaturally as we close. In Jesus' name we ask, we pray, and everybody said amen. You can write amen in the thread there. Hey, Oceans, I love you. Thank you for tuning in today. If you're new to our community, come on, sign up for our growth tracks. Get plugged in. We are coming back soon. And when we do, we'll keep you posted. I love you so much. We're going to see you next week. Thank you for being an amazing community. Rashawn, I love you so much. Have an awesome week. Thanks for listening to our podcast. Have a great week.